Hello and welcome to Your Money, Your Mission, the podcast that turns complex financial situations into actionable advice, powered by Johnson Financial Group. Today, my guest is Brian Andrew, President of Wealth and Chief Investment Officer for Johnson Financial Group. Brian, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me today, Kelly. So, Brian, you were on the podcast earlier this year and were sharing some thoughts on markets and the economy and where you thought things were headed. As you look back on 2023, what do you think? Were there any surprises? Uh, there were definitely some surprises. I think we got some things right. Um, but probably the biggest surprise, I think, was the lasting effect of um, all of the stimulus post-pandemic. I mean, it's hard to believe we're still talking about living in a pandemic-influenced world, but we do. Uh, and I think we thought the economy would weaken a lot more than it did. Um, we were even using the R word back at the beginning of the year, and that uh, that didn't transpire. Uh, although it's interesting, you know, in the third quarter, the economy grew over 5%, which is a huge number. The long-term average is like 2 um, but now when you look at the fourth quarter, the estimate is that it might only grow at 1%. So maybe we're just now starting to see that slowdown we were looking for. So does that mean the R word is in our future again? Is that going to become one of the major things we're talking about for 2024? Yeah, I think as we go into 2024, we have to consider uh, the fact that the economy may slow so much that we have a contraction, which is really what a recession means. That doesn't mean uh, things are a disaster. I think oftentimes when we talk about a recession, people automatically think of the great financial crisis. Um, and it's normal for us to have a contraction uh, every so often. Uh, and I think that's probably what we'll see in 2024. So is it your thought that the the steps the Fed took with interest rates had the anticipated impact, or, or do you think it's more just the stimulus that prolonged? Well, I, I think the Fed's raising interest rates uh, has an impact, but it's taking longer for us to see the impact because of the stimulus that was put out into the economy during the pandemic. But if you look at the way um, markets are um, pricing next year, and in particular, if you look at the labor market, we are actually starting to see a slowdown in the labor market. And I think that's an indication uh, that those higher interest rates are finally starting to have an impact to slow the economy, which is their original intent in the first place. Is that slowdown, do you see that in a particular sector or a particular cause, or is it in general that you're seeing? Well, I think at this point it's more in general, um, although over the course of this year, you know, we've seen really the last 18 months, I should say, we've seen uh, a slowdown kind of roll through different sectors of the economy. Um, so if you think about during the pandemic, there were a lot of things that just took off um, and then some things that didn't move. So as an example, in the hospitality industry or in the airline industry, there was no such thing during the pandemic, right? So those parts of the economy were very slow and now you actually see them um, doing very well. Um, so I think we'll start to see less pandemic impact as we move into 2024. Last thing I would point out is that uh, consumer savings uh, got into the several trillions of dollars as a result of stimulus. 
And now we're down to about a half a trillion dollars, which is still a lot of money, um, but it doesn't have the same impact on consumption in 24 that it did in 23 or 22. So in 2024, we know we're going to be looking at a lot of um, some of the same uh, factors that drive the economy, but clearly the biggest news story is going to be the presidential election. Yeah. As you think about the upcoming election, um, do you have any thoughts that it's going to be different? I know you've been through a lot of elections, not as many as <laughs> some people would I've, think. but I've been through a few. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it will definitely have an impact. Um, politics is a big part of the conversation today, uh, no matter what you do, I think. Um, and the presidential election uh, will certainly bring a lot of, I think, market volatility um, I think one of the reasons for that is that there's an expectation that with this election, you'll see the potential for some real policy change. And what I mean by that is the simple example would be tax policy. So we really haven't seen much change in tax policy since 2017. Uh, some of those changes will come due during the next administration. And depending upon who wins, we might get more taxes or less taxes. So it will certainly have an impact on the way people think about things. But just in general, I think um, our cycle is so long. Uh, we've already been talking about the presidential election for almost a year, and we have a year to go. Um, so I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the next probably three or four months, uh, and then we'll get into the real meat of the season and between June and August probably start to get more information about what policies that the administrator, or at least the person running uh, to be part of the new administration will be interested in uh, putting forward after they uh, they get seated. That's an excellent point. There is going to be a lot of news around what's happening, especially as it gets closer to the election. How do you uh, think folks should look at this when they're trying to evaluate what information is really going to have an impact on, you know, their finances, the economy, and what's just kind of election noise. Yeah, I, I would. That's a great question. I think most of what happens next year is just election noise. I think what happens after next year is what we have to pay attention to because that's when we'll know who's in control of the White House and who's in control of Congress. And depending upon how that goes, um, we'll get a better sense of whether or not meaningful policy change can happen. So I talked about tax policy as an example. Uh, defense spending would be another example. There's a lot of geopolitical turmoil uh, globally um, that could potentially mean more defense spending. Um, and so that, from an investor's perspective, obviously means some companies will do better as a result of that. And there are, you know, social programs and spending on social programs. So lots of things that I think are up in the air until we see the election get resolved. So for the investor anticipating 2024, um, there's a couple of things that people have been talking about. One is energy and the other mm -hmm. is AI. What should people be thinking about? Well, I think with respect to energy, that would be another one of those big potential policy changes that could come out of the election. 
Um, if you look at where spending is happening, and let me back up for a second because I think this is a really big deal. So if you look at where the United States is today in terms of energy production, uh, we produce almost 13 million barrels of oil a day. So we talk about the United States being energy independent, meaning we don't really need to import energy from anybody, anywhere. Um, that changes the way we should think about foreign policy as an example. So this new administration in Congress will have a chance to work in a different world as it relates to our energy independence. It also means that we ship energy overseas. So we send natural gas to Europe as an example. Well, an energy exporter can behave differently than an importer. And so that may also affect our foreign policy. So I think we're at an interesting time um, with respect to energy policy. And we'll see some things happen, I think, as a result during um, the new administration. Uh, AI is like a whole different thing to, um, we could spend the whole podcast just talking about AI, but I think artificial intelligence is something that we can think about in terms of the next big thing with respect to um, what we think of as the internet. I use that term really mm -hmm. loosely and broadly, um, but I think it's really interesting because there's this notion that AI is going to displace all kinds of people um, and I think about it differently. I think there are lots of, over hundreds of years, lots of examples where something new comes and changes the way we do things. It teaches us how to innovate and do our jobs differently, and people find different jobs or different ways to earn a living. I think this is like that, but really importantly, I think it'll have a huge um, effect on productivity, an improvement in productivity, and that's half the formula for how you get economic growth. So if productivity goes up, that should be good for economic growth over the long term. So the the fear of it replacing everybody and every job is rather unfounded at this point. You still see it as a positive. Yeah, I think it it's a positive. Now, that's not to say that if I'm on a, in a particular role that looks like it could be replaced pretty easily with AI, um, that I shouldn't be thinking about um, what to do either with it to improve my own productivity or where I might go um, with my skill set to do something different. But I don't think it's something that we should fear and assume that it's going to replace um, human labor across the board. Um, people have said that about a lot of innovations in the past, and I, I don't think normally that bears out to be true, and I think this will be like that. Although I, I don't think this is something that gets worked out in the next 12 months either. I think this is the next three to five years before we really start to see the impact and the improvements in productivity. And, and earlier this year, um, you talked a little bit about um, uh, the housing market um, when we were looking at mm. the economy and commercial real estate. Um, has that changed at all? Are you still thinking that commercial real estate is going to be re rebound in some areas and still be stressed in others, or do you have different thoughts on that? Well, I think with respect to commercial real estate, uh, I, I think it's a market that isn't one market. And what I mean by that is that there's industrial real estate, there's logistics real estate, so storage, warehouse, um, there's data center real estate, and then there's multifamily real estate uh, and commercial uh, real estate for businesses. 
those are all very different things now. I don't think there's uh, one um, situation where interest rates come down and they all do better. I, I don't think we're in that environment anymore. And you have to look at each of those separately and think about where they're benefiting from demand. So logistics would be a really good example or data center uh, would be a really good example of where there's a lot of demand for more space. Um, that's good for prices uh, as opposed to, let's say, commercial office space where we know there isn't a lot of demand today. Um, so I think that's different. In the residential world, I think um, we'll see some differences with respect to um, this increase in interest rates. And what, what's important is that, you know, people and companies uh, will adapt. And that's not to say that these higher interest rates don't make housing a lot more expensive because they do. And that's hard on people. But over time, people will adapt in terms of the way that they think about their income relative to the housing that they can afford um, and make adjustments accordingly. That that takes time. It's painful. It's not easy on people to go through that transition, but it happens. And then what happens, I think, is you get a recovery in demand for housing and you start to see improvement. We, we are not seeing that right now. Um, in fact, the housing market continues to be really soft. Um, but I think a year, year and a half from now, things will look a little bit different. So if I was looking for a new home in 2024, your advice would be to still consider it? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the benefits of the market in the United States, and it's a little bit different in terms of how we finance housing here, um, is that if interest rates decline, you have the ability to refinance at a lower interest rate. Um, if interest rates go up and you've locked in a longer term interest rate, um, you're protected from that higher rate. So you can find the house you want and adjust your rate over time based on where interest rates head in the future. Um, and it's nice to have that, that flexibility. So I, I would keep looking. So for that's interesting as you talk about the movement of rates. For folks that think that rates might see some of those you know, lower rates from pre-pandemic time. Is that realistic or are we looking at a new normal going forward relative to the rate environment? Well, that, I'll give you a crummy answer. I think it's both, meaning <laughs> I think it is a new environment. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if we think about mortgage rates as an example, they got down to uh, almost 3%. Um, I, I don't think we're going to return to the kind of interest rates we saw a year and a half or two years ago. Um, I think over time, We'll continue to see rates move up and down, um, but up more than down over time. Um, so I think that on a longer term basis, rates will probably continue to move higher. Having said that, you were talking about home buyers in 2024. You know, we just in the last couple of months, we've seen a decline in mortgage rates, and it's possible that we'll see a further decline in mortgage rates as we go into 2024, uh, which is good news for home buyers. Um, I'm just saying that I think on a longer term basis, the rates that we saw a year and a half, two years ago, um, we aren't likely to see again. So you, you talked about the election causing some market volatility. So for, for investors and for um, folks that are considering some longer range planning, possibly retiring in 2024. Um, do you have any caution for them given that 
the environmental be somewhat volatile? Well, I, I don't know if it's a caution. Um, I think the, the one thing for people to think about, because it's so different and has been so long since we've seen this environment, is for, um, for bonds or fixed income investments, some people refer to them as. But, you know, most people know, I think, that you can get 5% in a money market fund. You can get um, 5% or more in a treasury bill. Um, and in general... Uh, it has been over a decade since we've seen rates, interest rates on those kinds of investments as high as they are now. And so I think for people planning for retirement uh, and people who are in retirement, I think a lot of people in the last decade started to take a little more risk in stocks to try to boost the return of their retirement fund. And I don't think they have to reach as much or take as much risk as they did because interest rates aren't zero to two percent anymore. They're five or six percent. And I think that's something that people can think about, have a conversation with their advisor about, and maybe take another look at their asset allocation and think about where they should have money, especially if you're thinking about retiring in the next year or two the environment you have to invest in is very different than it was a year and a half or two years ago. Right. So, Brian, there's been some um, appreciation in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in the last few months. What does that mean in terms of cryptocurrency as an investment? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of appreciation in cryptocurrencies, especially in the last several months. And I think the reason for that is that it seems like we're getting closer to federal regulators, the Securities Exchange Commission in particular, approving uh, an exchange-traded fund or ETF based on the spot value of cryptocurrency. So what, what the heck does that mean? Um, what that means is that many more people would have access to investing in cryptocurrency. So today you have to open your electronic wallet and you can only buy the actual currency. This would allow uh, anybody to trade a security that moves in price based on the underlying cryptocurrency. So part of the appreciation in the value of the asset is the assumption that they approve an ETF and that ETF creates all kinds of new demand for cryptocurrency and that's what would raise prices. So that hasn't happened yet and I think we have to continue to keep an eye on the SEC uh, because they haven't approved it. Uh, but there are some very large asset management firms trying to get that approved. And should they do that, um, that would probably support the appreciation that we've seen in prices in the last several months. So we are here at the end of the year approaching the holidays. What's the best present, a present that investors could receive? Oh, the best <laughs> present for investors. Um, so I, I, I think the, the best present would be if we all woke up and the election was over and we knew the outcome, but that's not very <laughs> likely. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I think the, the best present investors could receive is that we do um, make our way through this slowdown in the economy. So remember I said that in the third quarter, the economy grew over 5%. The estimate for the fourth quarter is one. That sounds like mm -hmm. a slowdown to me. Um, but that we don't see a more significant slowdown from here. Um, and I think the reason that's good news for investors is because that's what the market is priced for. If you look at where stocks and bonds are today, they've kind of 
priced themselves for um, really no recession, um, kind of a normal slowdown in the economy, and then better news and an acceleration in growth in the second half of the year. So if that happened uh, or played out that way, investors would be happy because that's where the markets are priced today. And is there anything special you're looking forward to personally as we enter the holidays? <laughs> uh, just a little time off. It's been, <laughs> it's been a crazy year. Um, but I think uh, the, the most important thing um, I would say is that, you know, we, uh, we have experienced uh, an interesting year, I think, just in terms of um, the end of last year, markets were down quite a bit. People were really frustrated with what had happened in both the bond and stock market. Prices were down double digits. Um, and so now we sit here today with stock prices being up over 20%, um, which is incredible. Um, and so I think we just have to be thankful that we have a, a different environment to think about as we move into 2024. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Kelly, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And thanks to all of you who joined us today. We'd like to wish you a happy and healthy holiday and a prosperous new year. And if you have questions you'd like us to explore in 2024, go to the show notes, enter your question and hit submit. And don't forget to subscribe to Your Money, Your Mission, the podcast designed to turn complex financial situations into actionable advice, powered by Johnson Financial Group. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any investment or financial product. The caller questions and circumstances are hypothetical in nature. Whether a particular investment or financial solution is right for you depends on the facts of your particular situation. Please consult with your own professional advisors prior to taking any action based on the content of this podcast. Wealth management services are provided through Johnson Bank and Johnson Wealth Inc., Johnson Financial Group Companies. Additional information about Johnson Wealth Inc., a registered investment advisor and its investment advisor representatives is available at advisorinfo.seo.gov. Not FDIC insured, no bank guarantee, may lose value.